Hey there, we're a few minutes early, waiting on my producer to come in so we can get set up. It's uh, Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed. I'm trying to see if I put my agenda in here, see if that's what that is. It is, let's see, I'm playing with this now. Oh yeah, that's kind of cool. Hide that. All right, very cool. So I'm waiting for David to come log in here and then uh, I'll really get started. So let me see where he is. So officially we go on the air at 9.30. So I just give it a few minutes ahead of time so that I can work out all the kinks and um, that he can get into the studio as well. So. But hey, everybody, you guys are live watching um, Joy Exposed at 930. So we'll get started, really get started in about uh, four minutes. Don't forget, Facebook, make sure you have your um, cocktail to drink for Three Cheers of Joy. We start off the show with Three Cheers of Joy. So cocktail, water, whatever you're drinking, make sure you have it. And um, make sure you think of three things you want to celebrate. I have mine listed, so I'm going to go over those. I'm trying out a new camera on Facebook, and it looks so much better than the last one. I'm so excited. <laughs> so um, that's going to be me smiling at myself this whole time because uh, I think the camera looks better. So um, we got some great stuff to talk about tonight um, on Periscope. We didn't go over I didn't do anything on Periscope like a pre uh, show, but we're talking about Pride Month, we're talking about orgasms, and we're talking about growth, right? Your personal growth. So those are going to be the three things we talk about. We've got an awesome Facebook post of the week that we're going to discuss, and we'll have that coming up too. And if you can make comments, make comments, or um, you can leave comments also on Facebook as well. So we're going to be able to get into all of that. So we have about three minutes. Oh, sorry, Periscope. That's what I was talking about. So we've got about three minutes, two minutes to the show. I'll be right back. I got to fix my other camera. I just fell. <laughs> sorry, Periscope. The camera just fell again. You're looking at me. I'm going to fix it. <laughs> I don't know why this thing is not holding up. And that's what it did earlier when I had it up. It was just, it fell right out. You don't have a rubber case that goes on it? Mm -mm, this is the, all this I've been doing, this, this little thing right here. And it's been holding up fine. Make sure you don't get in front of the camera because it's still on. <laughs> They'll be like, that's her daughter, naked. <laughs> That's how we do. See, it's just I may not be able to do the periscope tonight because it's just popping right out of there. Hold on. All right, now let me twist this because this came out too. Damn it, they're all coming out. I haven't had this many technical issues since I first started. Do one more. Let's see. Oh, that was too high. That's it. That mm -hmm. Yeah, that should be it. All right, Periscope. If the camera falls again, I may have to not do this tonight. Hmm? Is that 
for the night. It feels like it, right? Okay, so let's, oh, there's David. Hey, David, I'm moving you up. Hey, beautiful. Hey there, how are you? Thanks, Jasmine. I just had technical difficulties. My camera uh, that I use for Periscope keeps falling out of the holder. So it was, it was fine and it just hit the ground. So I had to. Um, Not make, broke, is it? No, no, it's actually, it's my iPad. It's fallen a couple times, but. You got clothes on, bro? Huh? You got clothes on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got much on. I got a whole jumpsuit on. My it's all the way down to my feet. What are you talking about? <laughs> Too funny. Yes, I have clothes on. Where'd you go? Oh Lord. It's 9:30, so we're gonna get started. David has just clicked his, himself out of the studio. Oh, here he comes. I'm bringing him back in. All right. All right. What did you think about your jumpsuit? Sorry about that. It's the whole jumpsuit all the way down to my feet. It's the whole thing. See? Okay. It's just yeah. naked on the team. <laughs> well, you, you know, I'm in Florida, so. You ready to come in? Yep, I'm ready. Okay. Got about 10 seconds. All right. So I'm all set. Oh, there went my other camera again. Periscope, I'm not going to be able to show tonight. I'm so sorry. This is Joycelyn Wells with BFAM 109.6, and I'm live. It's Thursday night, June 20th, and I missed you guys last week. And I hope you guys remembered when joy is exposed, everything just feels better. So if you're on Facebook, thank you guys for tuning in. If you're on Periscope, I'm sorry, my camera just crashed, so there's no Periscope at this moment. You could probably hear me, but I'm certain that you can't see me because the camera is on the floor. So I'm going to keep talking and go get the camera and try to prop it up here. Facebook, you're going to miss me for a minute, but I'll be right back. So you guys know we get started every week with um, three cheers of joy. So today isn't going to be any different. We're going to celebrate our cheers of joy. And I'm ready. I have my three. I hope you guys have yours. So let's start out with, if you haven't tuned into the show before, one thing that you need to know, we celebrate things that um, make us happy, right? So we celebrate things that make us happy, um, even if they're not important to anybody else and they're just important to us. Those are our three cheers of joy. So as you're sitting here thinking about what you can celebrate, just consider everything, your red lights when you were driving into work and your coworkers not pissing you off, all of that, consider everything. So it looks like Periscope is back up. Hi guys. So we're gonna start. Tonight I'm drinking this um, whiskey, it's called Whiskey Right. And that's whiskey, nice, R-I-G-H-T, nice. right? We um, won it at, I'm trying to find my camera. We won it at a golf tournament a few months ago, uh, a few weeks ago. My um, faceless love, that's what I call my guy. He won it and look who's been drinking it. I've been drinking it. So I'm finishing that up tonight and it's called Whiskey Right. Brand new um, liquor distillery owned by women. 
and um, phenomenal products. I'm actually in the middle of a conversation with them to see if they're interested in sponsoring my Pour It Up segment of the show. So hopefully we can bring them on board to be a part of our team. That would be awesome. Now for my celebrations, I wasn't here last week, so I had to choose really good, three really good celebrations. The first one is that I went to all of my Cisco classes last week in San Diego and talk leading up to, Leading up to the conference, I talked about Cisco being um, an IT conference, and I don't have an IT background, but I'm so interested in many of the uh, innovations that they're using to move forward. And I attended the conference thanks to my sweetheart who loves me, and he knew that I would benefit from it. So it was a generous grant from him. <laughs> so I'm celebrating that I went to all the classes, and the classes lasted. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from eight in the morning till about 530 in the evening. So I'm not talking about a couple of classes. I'm talking about class after class after class after class. I did manage by the second day to realize that I could be working and in class at the same time. So cheers to Cisco conference and all the classes. And we'll talk about that some more later. My second celebration is that you guys know I'm almost 50. So in August, we're celebrating my birthday. I'll be 50. But I took a horrible crash on a fucking scooter. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know it seems so funny, but it was so much fun, right? So I crashed this scooter in um, San Diego. If you haven't been in the big cities, there's scooters everywhere and um, you can rent them like you rent out an Uber or a lift and you just scan them with your phone you use them for as long as you want to you turn it in you just let get off on the street scan it again and keep it moving there's no connection to it there's no rent this scooter for five hours or four none of that it's just really disconnected and it goes into the thought process of the millennials but anyway i hit a lip on the between um two planks of sidewalk and i hit the ground hard as hell boom and uh, my guy was like, he saw it first, but before he could warn me, I had already hit it. And he's like, are you okay? And I popped up and said, I'm fine. But I was dazed as hell and I'm still kind of sore and it's been a week ago. So, <laughs> but I didn't break anything. And that means for all of you thick chicks out there, keep you some thickness on because that's what protected me. I had some meat between my bones and that concrete. So I came out okay. My last celebration is that before two weeks ago, when we were in the studio with Skinny C, who's an awesome guest, I absolutely loved him. He's a phenomenal rapper. He actually was just featured in an article that it's on my Facebook page and my Instagram, just talking about him as a spotlight artist for um, the month of June. So that was really cool. But at the end of his show or somewhere in the middle of his show, my producer David announced that we had um, 97,118 97, listeners. So that meant two weeks ago, we were looking at 100,000. So hopefully this week we can kick 100,000's ass and just go over that. If we don't see it this week, we'll see it next week. But I'm really pleased. Those are my three celebrations. My whiskey right, and that's what I'm celebrating. We did 98,000. David, what do you say? You we did, did 98,000 Tuesday night? Tuesday night, yeah. That's awesome. Very nice, very nice. So, David, what are you celebrating tonight? You got any celebrations? 
I'm definitely celebrating 98,000 was one of mine. My second one was I started the show on Wednesday night with my son. And the very first night we ran right. it, we did 25,000. We're uh, well, I'm all about that. Really fun. And yeah. going to South Carolina. And going where? We're going to South Carolina this week for the Princess Queens. Oh, nice. You were talking about that. And um, when we were in, where were we? Zephyr Hills. I can't, in, uh, Zephyr Hills. I, can, I can't even remember where we were. But yeah, so good. That's going to be a lot of fun. That'll be a lot of fun. And uh, um, the show on Wednesday night is a sports show, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's called uh, League Night, a sports talk show. Okay. All right. And then the people who come on the show all come from League. We all bowl our Wednesday nights. Okay. Should be, should be pretty good. Yeah, it should be. Well, good. Because I know you said you wanted a sports show. So now that you've managed to get that going, that's going to be really good. So that brings us to our Facebook post of the week. Let me see while I'm talking about my Facebook post of the week, if I've gotten any comments on Facebook so far. Let's see. So the, yeah, it should be. Well, good. Oh, let me turn this down. I know you said you wanted a sports show. So that's me talking. Okay. So I had to turn that down. All right. So um, my Facebook post of the week is actually pretty funny. And I had to change a word because it was a, uh, it's a mean word. So, um, well, it can be mean. So I'm going to change it to just uh, dudes, maybe. I'll read, as I'm reading it, I'll tell you. Anyway, the, the Facebook post of the week is by Carol Wells Taylor. And she, I believe we're related because she's up from the North Georgia area. So we're probably cousins. And that's how we ended up connected on Facebook. So her post says, my problem with you guys, y'all always think a bitch is supposed to wait. Wait for y'all to come home from jail. Wait for y'all to grow up. Wait for y'all to stop chasing hoes. Wait for y'all to stop fucking your baby mama. Wait for y'all to be a daddy. Wait until y'all decide you're ready to be with us. Wait for y'all to become men. My guy, my dude, it's another word. It's a derogatory word. My dude, listen, the wait is fucking over. So <laughs> I read that post. And at mm -hmm. first I was like, I was like, okay, this is a woman that's in a growth space in her life to say, I'm tired of dealing with it. I'm not raising you. I'm not going to pamper you. I don't want to hear your excuses. She got a lot of flack on that post saying, you know, don't put your business out there. And I don't even, when I read it, I didn't take it to mean that she was talking about anyone in particular. I was more of a reflection of where she was as a woman, right? She's like, I'm tired of it. I would love to deal with an amazing man and, we're no longer waiting for you guys to get through these little baby phases that you're going through. Okay. So I really like that. And, um, you know, I think that women are becoming stronger and more empowered in their decisions. And I hope that that's something that my listeners and my viewers can see in me and that, you know, you can take something from it because it's definitely a time now that women don't have to wait. We don't have to wait anymore. You know, we take care of ourselves. We make stuff happen. We can move the way we want. And it's not dependent on a man. But a lot of times women want to have a man. Right. Mm -hmm. So but you don't have to play with the games anymore. You got all these issues, all this stuff going on. That's on you. That's not on me. I'm not going to wait for you to do that. 
very powerful statement. And I was really kind of felt um, some kind of way, I think, that she was getting a lot of flack about it. But people were like, don't say that. And I was like, but it's perfect. It's a state of where she is and it reflects what her thoughts are. And I was like, good for you. I love it. And I'm going to use it on my radio show. And so she was like, okay, thanks. (laughs) But I just was like, I love it because I don't think men who are dating really understand when they're asking a woman to wait or say that I'm not ready, or let's see where this goes. And I don't think they understand the implications or the impact it has on a life, on a person who's trying to move forward to make goals happen. If a woman is waiting on her husband to buy a house, and he says, I may not be your husband, and you're going to just wait and see where it goes, that's her putting off something that she wants to do. And nobody wants to do that. You know, nobody wants that. You know, be honest about where you are, be honest about what your offerings are, and um, that that's it. Our Facebook post of the week and just talking about people being ready to move forward and being honest about what you have to offer. And uh, if you want to see that post of the week, you can find it on my website, JoycelynWells.com. But we're headed to break now. This is Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed on BFAM 109.6. And remember, when joy is exposed, everything just feels better. Mwah. Uh It's a low song. Can you hear the song? I can hear it. It's Dave Matthews Crash Into Me in honor of your student crash. Oh, I love that. I thought you were going to celebrate the Braves because you guys have been winning. I mean, I I love my Braves and everything, but uh, personal things are way better for me. I mean, that that last night with my son, just picture you and Joya. Doing a show together on a, on a certain night, I got to spend an hour and a half with him, pick his brain about sports. It was just that. It was a memorable moment. Yeah, it's pretty and cool. And that's good. And he seems really chill. He's got a really nice kind of easy personality. And so that's what I noticed when I were I was watching you guys. I can't believe how grown up Edie's son Brad was. I think I haven't seen him in probably six years, maybe. That's not Edie's son. That's Edie's son-in-law. He's married to Yeah, Yeah, they got three kids now. Oh, wow. I think they had the one then. Or maybe. Yeah, they just had Levi. Now they have Zoe and I can't remember the baby's name now. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, Joy is the school. That's right. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's really it was good. And it's going to be a good it'll be a good show. I think that the fact that it's late at night, well, it's in the evening that um, we had all kinds of people watch. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because it's after league. We knew what we were talking about. And like our first segment was huge. You got, you got 15 seconds. I got 15, only 15. That went by fast. OK, I'm trying to. <laughs> I just keep trying to look at Facebook. Yeah, it should be well good. Because I know you said you wanted a sports show, so now that you're leaving. Oh, so the, 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 it's a couple minutes behind on that. Am I right? Okay. I'm looking. Tell me when to go. Come on in. Hi there. It's Joycelyn Wells at BFAM 109.6. And on Joy Exposed. And remember, when Joy's exposed, everything just feels better. 
So usually this time I start introducing a guest. I don't have, I'm my, I'm my own guest tonight, right? So there's not a guest. So I'm going to talk wow. about all, you're my guest. <laughs> I'm going to talk about, thank you. I'm going to talk about all the yummy things that make us go forward and just be better people. So we got three things on our lineup tonight. We got Pride Month. We're going to talk about that. It's going to be our, we have one more week in June. So we're going to go ahead and acknowledge the, um, acknowledge Pride Month and what it means and what it means to be affected by it or not to be affected by it. We're going to talk about orgasms, um, which is one of my favorite topics to talk about. <laughs> and we're also going to talk about growing and things that we can do to make sure we continue to grow, even if they make us uncomfortable. So that's going to be our lineup for tonight. And of course, we'll have a bedtime story. I'll be reading from Stephen Brown's book, Bottom of the Map. But um, so let's get started with um, Pride Month. So we talked about it briefly at the beginning of um, we talked about it briefly at the beginning of the month. And um, now we're going to spend some more time talking about it. I'll start with this story. So when um, a few months ago, there was a pride parade here in Tampa and um, I went to the parade and on the way to the parade, I was talking in a car with my Uber driver. And I always have the best conversations with people. And the Uber driver was just having a difficult time with pride. And he was making his own personal judgments about what it's supposed to be, what it is, and all of this stuff, and hell, and people are going, and, you know, sweet baby Jesus is not going to be happy, and, you know, all of that stuff. So he and I had to have a little come to Jesus meeting in the car. And because I'm very, <laughs> I'm very vocal about people. I protect people. I love people. And it doesn't matter to me what, what their culture is, cultural background or sexual orientation. I love people. So we had a meeting and a, a little meeting in the car on the way there. And, um, and I didn't give him less than five stars because he was a great driver and he got us to where we were going. But I did tell him that someone's sexual orientation or their preference has nothing to do with them, with him personally, right? So that's the key thing for me, how I figure out how people fit into my life. The first thing I have to decide is, am I affected by what they have or what they want to offer or how they're living their life? What's the direct effect on me? What I found out in that is that most of the time, people don't have a direct effect on my life. The people who affect my life are my children because they, I'm still their guidance, right? So my children are my guy, I affect his life because he wants to take care of me. You know, so those intimate connections, but in the masses, it doesn't matter. So in talking about Pride Month, I looked it up because I didn't want to leave anything out. And it's um, LGBTQINA, right? So we're growing, our letters are growing, and that's okay. Because all that says is, I have found a place to be a, in a collective group of people who want to be protected with their civil rights and their opportunities to be free. And so they're adding, different people are being added. We could any fall into any of these at any time because it's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning, intersex, and asexual or allied sex. So if you remember, I mean, 
whatever we know about people and we know about the pleasure of sharing ourselves with someone and even sharing ourselves by ourselves, we know that your sexual response in a situation, most of the time have nothing to do with the sex of the person you're responding to. If you're blindfolded and someone's loving on you and you don't know what their sex is, it doesn't mean you're going to be not be turned on. So I think that this is more of um, a mental hurdle that people have because they internalize it. If a woman is straight and there's a woman who's homosexual that want, they automatically think they're coming to get them. But remember, two weeks ago, I said the greatest thing that happened to me was to remove the idea that everybody was trying to fuck me. That's the greatest thing, because if you don't put sex in it, you only see people as they are and what they come to you for. So I stand by that. So if as a woman, when a woman approaches me and is interested in dating me, I'll say to her the same thing that I'll say to a man that I'm not interested in. Thank you. I'm flattered. But that's it for me. And there's no meanness in it. I don't have to be cast aside or put them down or cuss them out or try to fight them or I don't feel any kind of way about it because you can't take somebody's pleasure of what they see in you and the energy that they feel from you and make it something bad. If you think you're giving off bad energy, that's internal. <laughs> that's your internal thing. But when people right. see you, and most of the time, if a man or a woman is homosexual, bisexual, maybe more so bisexual, they'll approach you. But if you're homosexual, you don't want somebody that's not going to want you back. Nobody wants the fear. That's a fear of rejection. We don't want that. So no, you're not going to approach somebody that's got you feeling uncomfortable or make you feel less of yourself or start a fight. So when we talk about Pride Month, we're not just talking about the LGBTQIA community. We're talking about a pride in who we are, period. There's a opportunity to celebrate the things that are great about you, the things that are comfortable about you. And I'm not trying to take away a celebration. All I'm saying is the opportunity to celebrate your greatness, the things that make you you, is a celebration for everybody. And whether you know it or not, the happiest places you can be, the best energy, the most love, the most generous groups that you can be in are going to be a group of people who have identified themselves in a, uh, in a sexual space, who are comfortable with themselves in a sexual space. They're not pushing you out. They're not gonna tell you to go away. None of it. They're not gonna make you feel creepy, like you think you're afraid. It's none of that. They, they are the most balanced group of people because they've been able to make a statement that we, many of us couldn't make. I still have secrets I keep from my mom because I'm afraid of what she'll do. And she can't even catch me. <laughs> she'll try, but she can't catch me. If she tells me to stop, I got to stop. But we hide so much of who we are. And then you think about a group of people who have decided I'm not hiding anything about me. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. That's what Pride Month is. I'm celebrating exactly who I am. It's a time to be transparent. It's a time to be open and to be able to show I can dog kick y'all asses under the desk for as smart as I am, as much money as I make, as self-aware that I am. I'm not struggling with these menial ideas of my sexuality that the masses are struggling with and good for them. Right. So 
that's my take on Pride Month, and that's how I'm thinking of celebrating it. And if you haven't done anything or celebrated or you pushed your kids aside or you pushed your friends aside because they've decided or you push, then you know what? Back up because it ain't really your thing. It's their thing. It's their life. We, They have to travel the path just like we have to travel the path. So, and you know, hands down, that's that's the way we have to look at it. So I'm going to add Pride Month as one of my toasts, my cheers tonight for Pride Month. I'm going to have a drink to that. And I'm going to continue to accept and be open to people as they are. And I'm going to love them unconditionally, everybody, not just the LGBTQIA community, everybody. That's how I receive. So I can't look at a person and judge them on their sexuality and decide if I want to deal with them or not. <laughs> can't do it. I, I won't do it. My mind doesn't even operate that way. I think the main thing for me is to see people and feel their energy, where they're coming from. Do they mean me harm? Are they going to be um, damaging to me as a person, detrimental to my life? Those are people that I'll stay away from. and But those are also people who will try to con you into being with them because they feel like they can get something from you. So I'd much rather be okay with dealing with someone that was aware of who they are and upfront about it than to be dealing with somebody that's trying to con me out of something. So that's my celebration for Pride Month. And, um, and that also, you know, this month was started just to go along also in supporting the civil rights and bringing a group of people together who share commonalities and who've dealt with the same heartache and, you know, pain from their families and at work and had to fight those battles, you know? Um, so yeah. So this is our pride month little rant and uh, that's our one focus up next after break. We have about another minute and a half before we go to break. We're going to be talking about uh, orgasms and um, that's another thing I'm passionate about. Anything that I spend time on, and look, my producer smiling at me, he's passionate about them too. We all love them. So anything, <laughs> anything we spend every time, anything we spend time on is something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, whether it's I've had to study it and learn it, or I've been afraid of it and I faced it. But I'm going to tell you what. This is what. Uh, how much time do I have, David? Before we go to break, two minutes. Okay, let me tell a quick story. I listen, I have the, always the best stories. So I was on Monroe in Atlanta. If you're familiar with Atlanta, Monroe um, is right off of, I forget, like Juniper, Monroe. It's a little area in um, Atlanta. But there was a gay club there. I used to work at a pharmacy down there. And so there was a gay club. And we went after work. They were like, we're going to go over there and have a couple of drinks. So I'm in this club. And I was younger. Like, it was, that's probably been 10, 11 years ago. What was, I can't. I have to remember the name of the club if it's still there or not. But anyway, so we go in and we start having drinks, and I'm meeting people and talking because that's what I do. At some point, after a few beers and meeting and talking to people, I literally had these two guys, these two guys who were homosexual, they ask me if they could suck my breast. <laughs> Out of the blue. Well, we were all talking and drinking and it's, it was a bar and we were laughing and I was like, wait, what? So we had a whole conversation about it. And so I was like, sure. <laughs> I was like the mama. 
Yeah, we can roll out of that one. We'll roll out of that. <laughs> I was there. I was like their mama. So this is Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed on BFAM 109.6. And remember, when Joy is exposed, everything just feels better. Mwah. See you in a moment. Perfect. Perfect song. Oh, Diane was coming out. She wasn't scared. What'd you say? I said Diana Ross wasn't scared of coming out. That's right. She was going to do what she, she wanted to do. This song in the 70s. Come on now. It was yeah, dangerous. She, it was. Her daughter, Tracy Ellis Ross, is doing great things on TV. She's on everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. She can sing, too. Yeah, you expect anybody to come in? No. You expect anybody to come in? Uh-uh. Maybe they're just calling. BFM 109.6. I bet you can't guess who's on the phone. My mom. Your mom. <laughs> I know. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. I don't think she liked the gay pride segment. <laughs> Maybe. And that's okay. Doing? I'm doing pretty good. Your daughter, I'm not sure I want to sit through this orgasm one, but you know, I'm going to do my best. It's hard. Because, I mean, I want to hear what she's got to say, but that's my friend. And I get crossed up in the, it's so weird. <laughs> All right, baby, we're coming out of break. Take care of yourself, baby. Bye-bye. Your mama said, mind your business, girl. Oh, the phone call started like this. Hi, David. How you doing? You tell uh -huh. my daughter. <laughs> I don't know what you said after that. I wasn't paying attention, really. Yeah, that's they, probably they good. <laughs> Are we so all set? Then, uh, you got you got a minute. Oh, I got a minute. Okay, yeah, that's a, she's gonna be fine. Oh, I love right? her. She's awesome. She is. Ain't no telling what she wanted to say. But yeah, she probably got her friends listening to uh, Periscope and Facebook. She's probably like, "Oh Lord, don't show out tonight." <laughs> oh well, that's what we do here. Well, that's what we do here. That's look. That's what we do. A hundred thousand listening, so that they yeah, I can. I can't wait till we hit that number. I'm sitting here I watching know. all the time. It's like I yeah. can't stop watching. I can't stop watching it. I know it's exciting. It is. It's super exciting. Oh, you're coming back. Hey there, it's Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed. Woo, that was a quick break. Even in that little bit of time, my mama done called in and fussed at me about something. <laughs> Never get away from the mama's boy. She was- No matter how old you are, your mama's still gonna call and fuss about you. You do yeah. something. She must have that number on speed dial. She called up in there like, hold on, little mama. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have no guests today, did you? She's like, no. I'm like, look at the phone number, I don't recognize it. 
I should have guessed it was her. It's Joycelyn Wells with BFAM 109.6 on Joy Exposed. When Joy's exposed, everything just feels better. So we're going to talk about for this next segment. It's only going to be like 15 minutes, so you guys just hold on. It's, real, it's some great information in here. No reason for you guys to freak out on me. But we're going to talk about orgasms. So let me tell you how I came up. <laughs> that was easy. But if you, if you know me and if you've listened to me, if you've read my books, if you listen to me talk, it's not going to be just about an orgasm. It's about orgasm. Like it's a whole process and the whole thing behind it. So let me just I'll back up. When I was in undergraduate school at the University of Florida, go Gators, got to throw that in there. I was <laughs> I was in one of my classes and um, there was a health educator that came in to do a session with us. She was over our clinics. So part of the classes, it's like a game where they give you a question and you have to answer the question in front of the whole class, right? And it's a secret. It's like four of us. We all drew a piece of paper. We couldn't tell our question. I read my question. I stuck it in my back pocket and I stood at the front of the class and I waited till my turn because you had I was the last one in the line. So I was the last one answering the question. So when it got to me and I read my question, I just read it. And the question is, how can you tell if you're having an orgasm? That was my question. So. <laughs> That's how, right. That's how the guys were. The guy was like, I know the women are like, I don't know that I've had one. But um, so I had to answer it. And um, I sat there and I went through the whole physiological process of having an orgasm. And it was so detailed that by when I finished, people started raising their hands to ask me questions. So oh I yeah, so I went so far as to tell people, women who had not, who didn't know if they had an orgasm before, how to go home and to find out how to make themselves have an orgasm to experience it. So it was then, after the class, the health educator, her name is Joanne Auth, after the class, she asked to speak to me. And she said that she does the same activity every semester. And this was the first semester that she couldn't tell who had that question. And so, because you guys know, I'm like, well, why? <laughs> what? And she said, everybody starts blushing. They can't answer it. They're embarrassed. And she said, you answered it like you just, I asked you to name the colors in the rainbow. She said, you just, she said, you are just really good with this information and delivering it. And so that was a long time ago. So it was then I realized, and I didn't know before then that people really struggle with having an orgasm. Men don't necessarily because they're like to the point, like men are like Johnny on the spot. Women, there's more intricate details of how we're designed and, and it's not. And I think women, a lot of times women will say he didn't make me orgasm or he didn't, they put the ownership of their pleasure on somebody else. And so a lot of what I try to do is help people to understand that your pleasure is your responsibility, right? If you want to have an orgasm, then you are responsible for positioning yourself in an orgasm position. 
If you want to have an orgasm, you are responsible for knowing what it takes for you to get there. Not to say that the guy isn't important or the whatever tool you're using, guy or another guy, another female, whatever. It does. It's not to say they're not important. It's the one thing about guys is that they don't care how you use them. So it doesn't matter to them that you're strictly pleasure seeking. They don't care. But there's this understanding for some reason women have in their mind that their their husbands or boyfriends or whoever going that's going to make them have an orgasm. And that's not that I just kind of want to change the thought process on that. I think that in the process of an orgasm that you're already so caught up in knowing that you're going to have one, that the only thing that happens at the point of sex is strategically placing yourself to have the orgasm. I mean, just to me, I know it seems simple and a lot of people are like, no, that's not how that works. But really, I mean, to me, it is that it's that simple. It could be that simple because I've spent years practicing myself on how to have an orgasm and I know how to have an orgasm. So an orgasm is essentially a buildup of your blood flow to your um, pubic area. And once there's like this amazing buildup of pressure, then there's an eruption. So there's two kinds. There's a clitoral orgasm and then there's an intravaginal orgasm. And most of the time people experience the clitoral orgasm because it's you can touch it and you can stimulate it and that's gonna be the easy one to make happen. The intravaginal is in the G spot. It's a little spot that's about two inches inside above the clit. And so that means that their penises have to be, if the penis is rubbing in that area, touching the area, then that'll bring an intravaginal um, orgasm. So there's two different things that are happening. So as a woman giving advice to women, I would say practice on your own. And surprisingly, a lot of women don't even like to touch themselves in a sexual kind of way when they're alone. They'd rather have somebody do something to them they're not even comfortable with on their own. And I, my thought process is this, no one gets to know more about me than I know about myself. So if you don't know how to have an intravaginal orgasm, then I'm gonna suggest that you um, get yourself a tool and you practice on it on your own. And you move around enough, you'll find the spot that blows your head off. You'll be like, oh yeah, that's it. Let me do that again. So you'll find that spot. And then if you uh, need to have a clitoral orgasm, then you find something, you apply pressure and, you know, you move against it or move it against you and you allow this eruption to happen. Right. So the whole idea for me as a woman is that my whole body was designed for pleasure. Everything on my body is designed for pleasure. I'm soft. I smell good. My, um, body responds when in the height of pleasure, like it, my toes, my ankles, my legs, that's how women were designed. We didn't do anything for that. God gave it to us. The universe was like, this is my pleasure pot right here. I'm putting all the yumminess in this one space. Problem that we run into is that a lot of times we don't realize how much yumminess we have or that we are in fact in control of the yumminess. So we get caught up thinking that somebody is supposed to bring it to us or somebody's supposed to give it to us. But that's not the, that's not the way it is. We're, we're born with it and we're going to bring goodness into the world. And, um, you know, and because it's more difficult for us to have an orgasm than it is for a guy to have an orgasm, more emphasis, emphasis should be placed on studying our bodies. You study your body like you study for any test that you take. You taking a 
driver's license test for the first time. You got trying to get a promotion at work. You need to get some certification. The way you study, that is the way that you study yourself. And the more that you know about yourself, your mental connection to your body, your physical connection to your mind, the more you know about yourself, the more pleasurable your experiences are going to be. And undoubtedly, I'll have people to contact me via email asking me, okay, talk to me about this orgasm thing. How am I supposed to do it? Because most women, there are a lot of women who don't orgasm and um, they haven't had spent any time alone with themselves and they haven't had any um, body to spend time with them to uh, get them to that space. So we have to make sure that we um, spend time with uh oh my grandbaby just walked in i'm on the air jasmine <laughs> so we have to make sure my grandbaby just walked in the room so we have to make sure that we have we spend time on each other and um and that you give each other the pleasure that you need to get to that point of enlightenment if you're in a situation and someone's not spending the time on you that's needed to get you to a place of release or to get you to that orgasmic ex eruption or that explosion, then you have to consider the other parts of your life that they're not being fulfilling in as well. So your orgasms are important. You should have them often. I think they keep us young. They definitely put a little pep in our step and um, they make us even fall in love. You know, they make us want to hold, if you're, if you can have your own orgasms, you understand that the man who you have an orgasm with may not be the man that you need to be in love with. That'll save you a lot of trouble. <laughs> so you don't fall in love with them because of the orgasm. You fall in love with them because of the person. So if you can do it on your own, then you don't get caught up in these yucky ass relationships and trying to drag somebody into a situation with you. You know exactly what it is and you can walk in and walk out of it. And we talk about a lot of that in my books, right? How to find the goodness and walk away from it. We so often we confuse this moment of pleasure with somebody that's supposed to be with us our whole life and that's not how it works right so when you start looking tonight and i'll put some stuff on my website but when you start looking up your you know orgasms and how to have them and trying to have them even during the show you could right you um definitely reach out to me if you have questions i'm more than i'm open to them uh to your questions i'm open to your feedback and um, I'm definitely open to your pleasure. So this is Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed on BFAM 109.6. And remember, when Joy's exposed, everything just feels better. We'll be right back. Mwah. Someone said, thank you so much. And so then someone said, only you, Joycelyn. <laughs> yeah. So, and I won't name any names. It's not important. Uh, all women squirt? Or are no. they not doing it right if they don't? No, all women don't squirt. I think I think squirting is a, um, it's a pressure mechanism in the clitor, in the, clitoral area right so all women don't so I, and i say this and i talk i just say so much but 
I know I didn't have, I didn't experience that until I was much older. So, but some hmm. women, I know women who squirt all the time, but then I know right. some who at all, right? So I don't really know. I don't know if that's something that's kind of a, you kind of pick up on that with the tricks of the trade or if it's uh, genetics or you're designed in there, you know, I don't know. But have you experienced that with all women, all women squirt? No, I have never had a, a woman that squirted before. But when I was in my younger relationships, like late high school, early college, I dated this girl for a while. We started having sex. She actually left me because I couldn't make her squirt. She said, it's my fault. She was a virgin when I met her. She oh. said, I've been waiting for my life to do this. You can't make me do it. And I was like, what if you just don't do it? All women yeah. might not do it. No, no, no. Yeah. Look, that's yeah. all right. I, I I just want, I, we're young. We were young. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I think the best thing about it with guys is we think we're tearing it up. You know? Well, well I think one thing for guys to remember is that you can't, what are you tearing up? I mean, yeah. like nine pound babies come from down there. What are you tearing exactly. up? Majority <laughs> of guys, you know, like if you talk about the guys, the guy world, and you're talking about sex, yeah, I killed that thing. You didn't kill nothing. Well, I think it, I think it, that's more of that kind of macho ego. Yeah, macho. Yeah, and it, I mean, it goes as you get older. I think for I talked about this last night in another show. When you get older, a lot of that machismo thing go away because you realize, I because you don't you're not like fifty saying I killed it. You're fifty with like yeah I got it and it was great. And well, I, I'm glad I was there. Yeah, <laughs> I, so I think it changes it that you have this bravado you have to put on to where you don't because I mean it's really like I mean it's, it's a pleasurable experience all around but you have to be I think the more aware of yourself that you are the more pleasure you gain you derive Absolutely. from the situation right it can't Absolutely. get I did it because you know it has to be something that you want to do um I think for me one of the greatest sexual relationships I had is that me and the guy was constantly in a state of eroticism. Like even when we weren't together, it just felt like we were. So as soon as we got together, it was like fireworks. Like it was like, it, it's, it's like we're in a constant state of eroticism. And I mean, that's almost 50 saying that was my best sexual experience saying that because it was, it's, I've realized now it's not just a physical space. It's a, it's definitely a mental space you exist in with somebody that, you want to be with and th that wants to be with you. So it's definitely, it has a lot to do with it. All right, come back in. All right. Hi there. It's Jocelyn Wells with Joy Exposed on BFAM 109.6. And remember when Joy is exposed, everything just feels better. So let me tell you guys, um, we're just gonna keep on going now. Somebody said, oh my God, hey girl. <laughs> so we're gonna keep going on to our uh, next segment. We just talked about orgasms and not just in a plain way of have them, it's kind of talking about your responsibility to orgasm, that's on you, right? And it's on you to have them and learn how to have them. Classes in session, right? Take, teach yourself. So the next thing we're going to talk about, so we talked about Pride Month, we talked about orgasms, and then this is a thing that's really big with me too, it's growth, continue personal growth. 
I'm always trying to figure out how to be the best me. I'm, I don't feel like I am have been there yet and I don't feel like I'm where I'm supposed to stay. So I always have to grow. So for this growth moment, we're gonna talk about a new word that I came across. I'm, and I was thinking, is it really new or am I just not paying attention to it? And then we're gonna talk about my Cisco classes. Those are my two parts of this. So the word that I've spent time on, okay. The word that I've spent time on is called ruminating. And you've probably ruminated before, right? You're probably like, um, ruminating is when you have something on your mind and you keep processing it over and over and over. And women do that a lot, right? So if you have a conversation with somebody on the phone and it didn't end the way you wanted it to end, you're going to think about, I should have said this. I should have done this. I should have, I should have. So that's ruminating. You spend time in this worthless, useless cycle of processing stuff that you're not going to change and it's not going to get any better just because you're still processing it, right? So we that's what we're going to talk about tonight, ruminating, because I have a big problem with that. I'm Something happens and I'm going to think about it over and over. I'm, I, and I'm getting better at it, but I didn't know what it was called. And I read this um, article in this uh, magazine about the woman's mind, and that was one of the articles. It was talking about how we spend so much time processing. And people say we're overthinking. I know you met people that they say they're overthinking. I even made a YouTube video about that. Like you think too much and you're this. Well, you know what? In fact, we may think too much. And But it's how I'm designed. And I think I'm probably better if I'm thinking too much about different things instead of thinking about the same thing over and over. And a lot of times we equate that to worry and wonder too. So. I came across this article that lists ways that you can stop to help yourself with ruminating, with wasting that time um, and losing those moments. So I'm going to read. It's five ways to stop ruminating. I'm going to let me flip the article so I can read it. Okay. Five ways to stop ruminating. And remember, if you can break a habit, this habit of ruminating, you can protect yourself physically and emotionally and you'll be uh, more empowered in your life. So that means if you can stop wasting time thinking about the same thing over and over, those retorts at the end of a conversation, if you can just say it's over and keep it moving, you're gonna be better off than sitting there like, I should have told her this, I should have said this. I did, if you can, and we all, I know I do it, and we all probably spend a little time in it, but when you spend too much time in it, it becomes um, just a horrible habit to have, right? So five ways to stop doing it is to catch yourself in the act, right? So the article says, if you find yourself ruminating, like for me right now, I'm having this conversation and I'm thinking something I should have said in the segment on Pride Month. I can't go back to that segment to do the Pride Month. So I have to figure out where I can interject it next time. But if I keep saying trying to figure it out, I'm going to waste time in this segment, right? Like I just did that with you guys. So catch yourself in the act of ruminating. So if you find yourself doing, if you have a conversation with your husband, your boyfriend, your baby daddy, your sister, your cousin, and it didn't end the way that you want it to end, you get off the phone and you're mad, or you didn't pay your bill on this day, and now you got a late fee and you're thinking, I should have paid it when I thought about it. That's all your negative, that's a negative habit to have. So as soon as you start doing it, catch yourself in the act, shut it down. 
you've you processed it, you feel good about your, your decision, you make a decision, you make a decision about what you did and say, this was a great decision, I did it, and you move past it. You distract yourself, you start doing something else, that's number two. You start doing something else and get away from that idea of it. Because I know that if I pay a bill late and I get a late fee, or if I pay my phone bill late and my phone is turned off, I'm mad. I'm mad at AT&T for turning my phone off, but ultimately I'm responsible for that, right? So that to me then fussing. They didn't have to turn my phone off. I should have did this, da, 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 and it's wasted time. All I got to do, I got to pay my phone and get my phone bill, my phone back on. I got to pay the bill. So that's time wasted. And I'm going to tell you a story after this about this rumination that I started using years ago, and it's equated to prayer. Um, designate future time for thinking. I can't process this right now. I'll think about it later. Don't even do it in that moment. Do it later. You'll probably forget about it. You're not going to want to think about it again. And I do, I'm very good with doing that with people when I want to talk about stuff. And I'll say, can we talk about this? Or will you put some time aside early, uh, later so we can talk? I'm good with doing it for people. But for myself, I want to do it in that moment. I wake up in the middle of the night and do it. And then the fourth thing is spill your thoughts at the appointed hour. When you've set a time to talk about it, talk about it. Put it out there, get it over with, keep it moving. Don't say, oh, well, never mind. I won't talk about it because that's just going to prolong it and make you want to talk about it later. So you go ahead and have that conversation. You can also write. When, I, when people are staying up late at night, they can't sleep, whatever it is, I'll say, do you write? The one thing that releases our thoughts into the universe is writing. Write it down, get it out of your mind, get it on paper, that'll release it, and you're not sitting up on those own thoughts again. And then the fifth thing, let go of the things that you can't change. If you know you can't do anything about it, I can't change that my phone got cut off, but I can change that my phone is getting cut back on, right? I can't change that. I can't change that one of my girlfriends no longer wants to be friends with me. I can't change that. I'm grateful for the friendship that we had. I'm moving forward. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. If there's an issue and I can't come up with a solution for it, then I'm not going to, I have to move on. I can't spend any time on it because that's a waste of my time. So I'm very big on that. So that's my new word. It's ruminating. I'm going to work on it more now that it has a word and I know what it is. In the past, oh, thank you. In the past, what I've found out is that it's, I would call it worrying. And people would always talk about worrying. You worry, you worry too much or you have these thoughts on your mind. And, um, one morning, this pastor had this great analogy for worrying, which sounds like ruminating to me. That's why I'm making this connection here, because we call it worrying, and there's a word called ruminating. So maybe it's not necessarily just worrying. There's a different impact on us, because worrying just says there's a situation we're worried about it. Ruminating says, I've created a bad habit. I need to get out of it. So you can Put them up against each other lateral. If the, you can break the habit of worrying, you can break a habit of ruminating, whatever, break the habit. So a pastor said on the uh, one of the early morning shows a few years ago, worrying is a waste of time. And that's what this sounds like to me. Worrying is a waste of time. And I listened because I didn't ever realize that, think about worrying as a waste of time. I realized it in a place in that I, I existed things I needed to do. I didn't have enough money for it. I didn't know how, what's going to happen, blah, 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 blah. I spent a lot of time worrying. So 
He said, imagine there's a conveyor belt all around us. It's invisible, but there's a conveyor belt. And on each conveyor belt, there's a chalice, which is like a large glass, a bowl, a vase, however you want, but a large chalice. And there are all these chalices on there. So you have a worry. What you should do is take your worry and drop it in the chalice. So essentially release it and let it go. It goes on the conveyor belt. So it just continues to go on the conveyor belt, right? So you release it. That means whatever your thought is, God will take care of it, the universe. However you process these things happening, you have to release it for it to happen. He said the problem is people will put their worry out there on the chalice and they'll run and get it out. So they put it there, run and get it out. So that's how they hold on to this worry. And that's the, my thought about this ruminating. We don't let it go. I'm so much better at it now. And it's I'm lighter because of it. And I have less bullshit happening in my life because of it. Because I figured out I don't I can take care of this right now the way that I want to. And I remove the self-doubt in my doing so because who else is better to make decisions for me than me? So that's a part of my growth. That was something that was difficult for me, ruminating, worrying, self-doubt, all of that in one place, right? Whatever you want to call it, that's hard for me. But now I've realized I can let that go and I'm lighter and I move a little bit freer in my life. So that's what I wanted to share on this part of growth. Find something in you that you this may be a habit that you guys have and ruminating maybe I'll work on this. That's going to help you grow to the next space because I guarantee you if I were thinking today, like I were thinking 10 years ago, I wouldn't be half the woman that I am right now. I wouldn't be able to run my own business. I wouldn't even be able to be on this show. I wouldn't even have money to spend or I would be living still paycheck to paycheck and trying to scramble and figure it out. These tiny little habits we have to change to put us in a better position. And I wouldn't know to pay my credit cards on time. <laughs> so we're getting ready to go to break. This is Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed on BFAM 109.6. And we'll be back in just a moment. Mwah. Bye. Oh, Marvin knew what was going on. Yeah. My mom said my niece was listening to the radio, so she had to turn it off. Um, how, how does music become erogenous? Um, I think it's just because it's connected to probably some sensors in your mind. It just becomes the way that you move your body. First of all, that's already erotic in itself, just because you're yeah. moving your body. And you're free. Music allows you to be free. So... You get to um, just kind of move around and you're loving yourself and it just releases a lot of the worry and stuff. So, but the worry. Did, hmm? did you ever look at your sex with different music? Uh, no, I don't need, I don't I'm, need. I, I don't need music. I'm just saying if music is on, did you ever notice mm -mm. there's no difference at all, no matter what? Hmm. <laughs> nope. I mean, did you, you speed that music up. Yeah, I, I just feel like the more animalistic sexes with the music is a little rougher. 
You think? Oh, I don't know. I don't it is know. for me. I listen to music by myself all the time. I listen to music, for but me. but I think it's more of my own kind of pleasure-seeking moment when I'm alone and I'm working or I have music playing. But I don't know that I pay attention to having music on during sex. I don't know that that necessarily matters. I don't know. That's I know it's erogenous because your ears are... Your ears are sexual. Let me whisper in your ears. I promise you something's going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Definitely ears very are, sexual. Ears are very erogenous, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even when you get there and you feel the vibrations of somebody's voice in your ear. Yeah. yeah like I can't sing with my voice, but let me sing with a whisper in your ear. I'll mess you up. <laughs> you don't need to have a good voice to whisper. No, whisper. Come here. That's funny. You're too funny. Yeah. Um, you got another one to share with you, but it's not with Chip. After uh, the show. And it's probably private. Okay. I can do that. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not as open as you are. Oh, well. It's coming from an educational space. I'm just saying, you know, I'm learning. <laughs> You look. What, what's gonna happen? What's the worst that's gonna happen? Like it's coming. It's coming from a learning a learning space. If you don't, if you don't learn anything after this show. Hey there, it's George Wells with Joy Exposed on B Fan One Hundred Nine Point Six. And remember, when Joy's exposed, everything just feels better. So we're down to the last 30 minutes of the show and uh, we're on a sec second segment of growth. Now I'm gonna tell you guys, one of the things that I talk about in my writing and in my clients is being better, learning something about yourself. I, you know, two things have happened. Last week I watched the show, um, When They See Us, with the Ava DuVernay on Netflix. And man, that hurt me. I, I hurt and I, it wasn't that I hurt because I did hurt because these little boys were in such a difficult situation, but I was also hurt equal or more so because their parents couldn't help them. And when you think about not learning and not growing and getting stuck, you're thinking in the moment that I don't want to. I don't want to learn how to read. I'm not a good reader. I'm not going to read. I don't want to go to school because I don't like it. I don't want. So you, all of these things, you don't even know how many grownups I talk to who say I don't read. So when I was looking at those little boys being young and caught up in the situation, but then at their at the parents who didn't have enough education or growth in them to even advise them in a space to help them. I was really saddened by that. And, and we get that a lot now. I mean, there's tons of people now who don't want to go to school. They'll argue down, you know, I just, I didn't graduate high school. I, it wasn't for me. I don't want to go to college. It's not for me. I don't. Okay. So maybe you don't, but not doing those things doesn't take away from the fact that you still need to continue to grow. You don't get to be in a 24-year-old mind space for the rest of your life. 
you are required to grow. That's why your mind is designed the way that it's designed is to have a lifelong learning experience and not just stop when you had enough, when you feel like you've had enough. So that show for me, I watched it and I don't watch a lot of TV. It was written well, and it's probably because it was based off a true story, but it was written well. And I think by the middle of the first episode or four episodes of it, and by the middle of the first episode, I think I may have said, I'm ready to turn it off. It's too dark for me because my mind doesn't operate in that space. It just, it was dark, like literally dark. The story was gloomy, the lighting, and I just, it touched, it just impacted me in a space that I didn't have any control over. So finally, after the second episode, we turned it off and started watching some other stuff. Uh, Killer Mike, his, he's hilarious. He has a hilarious show. I'd love to work with him. Um, and I think I may reach out with him just for that thought. But um, so we had to take a break before we went back to watch it. But it still never left my mind that the parents, a uh, few of the parents that were portrayed were in such an educational, lack of educated space that even they were even, uh, they were even able to be manipulated by others. Now, I won't even say white people by other people, because even in this day and time right now, if you're lacking in what you know, experience, growth, opportunities, you can be manipulated by anyone. So that's something that I would definitely advise people to do is take a class. There are a lot of free classes available online. I know University of Colorado offers free classes that you can audit. Take a class, and I know you. I wasn't good in school or whatever. Whatever their excuse is, stop. I'm right now trying to talk my mom into going into going to college right now. She never <laughs> went to. Yeah, she never went because she had a baby. She had me right, and now she can do whatever she wants. And I'm like, mom, I think you should go to college because I think it helps us. It helps our mind to continue to process, especially with as quick as the changes are coming, which leads me to the second point. Last week, I went to that Cisco conference over in San Diego. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not techie by any means. I can do regular word processing stuff. And um, if you ask my guy, he could probably says I know more than what I think I know. But I ask a lot of questions. I sat in this conference and listened to them talk about things in these classes. Some of the stuff I didn't know. I made notes about it, looked it up later. Some of the stuff I did know that was familiar to me. But when we got to one class talking about um, uh, moving your company. So what what's happening? So the whole conference is about technology and moving forward. We use the technology, but every companies who use the technology are going from a hard drive space, hardware space, to an application software space, which means they're having to transition. And then they're moving stuff into the cloud. That's a big deal for companies, but that's the way that technology is changing. So they talked about all of that and I was deaf, I was a part of the conversation because with me building my own company and people were asking me, well, what are you doing here? <laughs> then I would have to tell them, I'm trying to build my own company and uh, I'm trying to make sure that I'm 
following with it. I want the technology. I want to influence the technology that impacts the people that use my stuff. I don't want to be impacted by it. I want to be on the front side of the planning and development. And so that opened up some great conversations. But I'm going to tell you, through all of this, I only really spoke a couple of times. One, one of the speakers asked a question and I answered it. I don't know that I was supposed to answer it, but I did answer it. <laughs> and the speaker was like, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of funny because it was in a room of like 300, 400 people. And I'm like, oh, I know. <laughs> Always a student. So that was funny. And then the last day of class, we talked about talking to your employees and how to get your employees to buy into the fact that you've got to change your system. And believe it or not, for me not to be techie and speaking from the consumer side, I definitely had the attention of the room in explaining what needs to happen with the employees. And this is to managers. When they make buku money, I'm talking, they make hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars and maybe millions, I don't even know. But they're in there to find out how to make this better for their employees. So that was a big deal for me because it helped me to understand that I may not be techie, but my voice is still so powerful because I can have the conversation that needs to be had in the moment. So growth is huge for me. Cisco conference was really very good for me. I met some amazing people, some great contacts, did a lot of networking. I, um, I can't wait to go back next year. I can't wait to see what the changes are for the following year. So for you guys that are listening, if you are comfortable, complacent with where you are, I don't care what your job is. If you are in the classroom, you're teaching, or you work in a call center, or you're the manager of a restaurant, if you have something that you do every single day, you got to add something to it. Everybody's not set up to own their own business, but, and I will, so I won't tell you to go start your own business. Everybody doesn't want to do that. But Take a class at your local college. Learn something that's going to put you in a position to protect yourself. Because I can tell you, the jobs that I've had over the past have been replaced by machinery. I used to make um, pancakes at McDonald's, and they don't do that anymore. They throw them in the microwave. Somebody else makes them. I used to um, sell photos for Olin Mills. Now we all take our own photos, and then photographers are in abundance, right? So jobs that I had, I used to fill prescriptions at a pharmacy. Now they have a robot to do that. So a lot of this stuff are, is becoming obsolete. You don't want to become obsolete. The goal is to be able to move into the next phase of things. So my suggestion would be to go out there and learn something new, as scary as you may be. A friend of mine has taken a real estate class, and she said um, she didn't want to take it online because she'd rather be in the classroom, but she doesn't have time to be in the classroom. So I told her, I'll take the class with you online. We can go through it together. I mean, that's the that's how serious it is for me to continue to grow. She needs to do it. She needs to grow. I'm going to go. I don't have no interest in real estate. None. But guess what? I'll do the class with her just to make sure that she does it. And okay, thank you. Just to make sure that she does it and she gets what she needs because she's in property management. It's what she does and she'll continue to be in property management. So why not continue to put those feathers in her hat? And location, the classroom is becoming obsolete. It's more online. You've got a whole college that shut down in Georgia just this week 
or two weeks ago, they said they closed their doors. They're not even doing it anymore. Small school lost their funding. Well, they weren't getting enough funding to keep the doors open. People have, and I think they must have started in 1967 and now 50 something years in, they're done, right? So, and they didn't offer any online classes. So growth is important and you have to make sure that you're taking care of your mind. You've got to learn something new. So I'll post some links on my website if you want to, if you're interested in taking some free classes at University of Colorado or your local community college probably offers um, some classes that you can audit but it's definitely in your best interest to take some classes so you can move forward mm -hmm. with all the technology. Yeah. Oh, so. how are we on time? We got another minute, two more minutes. Okay. So a couple things is happening. Uh, next week, we're going to have an author in. her name is Margo Williams. She's out of California. So she's going to be my guest. She's going to talk about her book and she's going to read her bedtime story. Her name is Margo Williams. And then for the month of July, we will be um, remote from Naples, Italy. So what? Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna see how that works. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So, so I'll be remote from Naples, Italy. That means it'll be nine thirty for you and three thirty a.m. for me. So I'm gonna be sleepy, maybe if I can get my timing right. So that's going to be kind of cool. I'll see if I can um, get some cool stuff to share with my trip. I'll be there for four weeks, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So you're going to bring so many people on the show. I know you're going to meet people. Oh yeah, I'll bring them on. You want? Well, at three thirty in the morning, I'll be a little sadistic, don't you think? So this is uh, Joyce. <laughs> I could come with me at three thirty in the morning. This is Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed on BFAM 109.6, and we'll be right back after this break. I think Jennifer Lopez is just too fine. She's amazing. I just think she needs to give something back to somebody that needs it. She has too much. She what well, she works hard for it. She needs to keep all of it. Oh yeah, I believe it. Yeah, just, she, she deserves everything. It just seems like nothing's she, going wrong in her world. She but you know I'm sure what? It is. of course, you know, she's been married a couple times and but you know, she just doesn't seem she doesn't seem like she spends a lot of time processing just the negative she's kind of like she seems very she doesn't ruminate that's for sure she seems like there's a problem she, she keeps it moving so and that's that's an amazing quality to have but i'm sure she has some issues she's just gorgeous i will definitely agree with that i mean yeah. she's got the it's not just the looks it's the package yeah and she's she's talented like she's a hard you know she's a hard worker because Oh yeah, she has, she's a hard worker. That's like, I mean, any of them, any of the dancers, singers that just put in so much time and effort into their, in their craft. Like, you have to give them the props for that. Absolutely. They don't whine. They don't whine at all. They just do what they're gonna do. Let me find my what page I'm reading from tonight. Which book are you? I'm reading bottom of the map, the one I started Stephen's book. I'm gonna read a few more pages of that. 
Yeah. <laughs> One Let's, minute. All right. So I'm going to see where I'm supposed to be on this. Mm -hmm. Let's see. I think I stopped over here. Yeah. Okay. I found out where I am. Yeah. So um, I'm going to read from Stevens and then we're going to have Margot Williams to come in next week. Cause she's going to, I'm going to interview her for I think 15 minute segment and then she's going to read at the end. So Are you, have you mentioned her name before? That name sounds very familiar. Oh, Margot Williams. Did you tell me she was coming Who? out before? Maybe. Yeah. I kind of feel know. like I wrote the name down. I said, I feel like I wrote that down before. Oh, maybe. Seconds. I don't know. I don't know. All right. I'm paying attention now. Last time I was looking off. I got some new music for bedtime. Nothing's hotter than a saxophone. Trying to get away. Hi there. It's Wolf One Wells with Joy Exposed. You know what time it is. It's bedtime story. Woohoo! I need to get a really cool sponsor to sponsor this segment of the show, the bedtime story. So last week we didn't read because I wasn't here. The week before we read with Skinny and we were reading from the uh, one of my books, Virgin uh, oh of Beauty. And uh, and uh, everybody loved that, the virtue of beauty. They love all the virtues. So, Did you see Skinny's face when you were reading to him? No, I didn't, but he was just like, he said he, he loves it. He said he just loves it. Everybody loves him. That's the thing that's so funny. The stories are just so good. I, everybody's listening. You've heard me say that so many times. The stories are so good and they're so much fun. I actually connected with the lady um, Facebook last week and I was telling her that I was, was writing. And, you know, we talked about that. And I said, like, if you want to read some of my stuff, just go on my website and uh, you can read it, one of the virtues. And so she she started reading it at work and she sent me a message and was like, I got to read it at home. And then I woke up the next morning to a text message from her and all it said was in all caps, bitch. <laughs> yeah, she was like, what the hell? I had no idea. So she had questions and stuff and that was really cool. So, and I, a guy I sat next to at the Cisco conference, he ordered it sitting next to me. He was like, I'm going to order it now. And I was like, well, I mean, I'll tell you about it. He was like, oh, I read the reviews and just sitting next to you. He said, I want it. I want it. He ordered it on the spot. So this is really funny. So we were reading from um, Bottom of the Map. Yeah, Bottom of the Map. It's a book by Stephen Brown. Can't find my camera. Oh, there I am. So it's a book by Stephen Brown. He's one of my clients. So I published this book for him. And his book is a, it's an urban trilogy. That's what we call it because it's just gut bucket, rock bottom, South Florida bullshit. And it's good. It's sex, drugs, thugs, murder, mayhem, all of that shit. Right. Cartels. Yeah. So I started reading from it and it was about the main character, Trey, who was in jail and his girl, Tina, was trying to get him out. So we're going to pick up where we left off on that. And we'll read from that for just a few minutes and uh, then we'll get ready to wrap up. So am I? Oh, yeah. To 11. I was like, I think I'm early. OK, so let's see. So he was trying to explain to Trey was explaining to Tina last that um, how important it was for her to be a woman. And he just was saying 
her love and loyalty had been unconditional throughout the years that they've been together. I don't know what I would do without you. So the trick with this relationship with Trey and Trina is that Trey and Tina is that they're just, they're friends in a space that their relationship is understood. Like it's, they're not boyfriend, girlfriend, it's my man. They just down for each other. And so that's, that was a new concept for me in writing this, this, you know, two people could have this type of relationship, but I mean, this is the way the story goes. So, so Tina, uh, Tina left Trey, Trayvon, in the jail. She went on to leave. So I'm going to pick up there. Tina beat her stirring wheel when she got back in the car, crying uncontrollably. She laid her head against the headrest and stared at the gun club, the county jail. She hated this place. And as she sat there staring at it, it felt like deja vu all over again. Here she was sitting in the same parking lot, looking at the same building, feeling the same way. She closed her eyes and found herself drifting back in time. So now she's going to go back and talk about herself growing up, right? So Tina Baptiste was born May 25th, 1984. She was the only child born to her Haitian mother, Jean, Haitian father, Jean Baptiste, her Dominican mother, Rhea Cortez. Tina's father was killed when she was a baby, so she had no memories of him. The memories she did possess were of all the different men her mother brought home. She remembered the sound of the headboard banging against the wall. She remembered the sound of the mattress squeaking. She remembered the moaning. She remembered the heavy breathing. She remembered her mother and her mother's boyfriends yelling in Spanish and broken English. Fuck me, come on, fuck me harder. Dios mio, I'm trying. Give it to me, cause you me. Rita used to be one of the most beautiful women in the Dominican Republic, but like the seasons, Rita's time came and went. Although Rita was no longer beautiful, she possessed something that kept men coming back. Sucking and fucking were her two and only talents, and she utilized them hoping to regain some of the attention she received when she was in her prime. Rita showed little Tina no affection and gave her no love and would blame her every time one of her boyfriends left. I hate you, she would tell Tina, you little puta. I wish you were never born. I should have flushed you down the toilet. They came to America. Yeah, they came to America to stay with Tina's uncle and cousin when she was 10. They stayed in Miami for a year before moving to West Palm Beach. Tina hated this country when she first got here. She spoke both Spanish and Creole, but no English. She was teased so much that by the age of 12, she spoke English so well, you would have never known of her Haitian and Dominican bloodline unless she told you. Even as Tina learned to speak English, she still didn't have many friends. She had always been different and was antisocial when she was around other children. Tina was a good child, but the one element she needed most what she needed most was missing, love. Tina remembered Carlos, her mother's boyfriend at the time. She remembered her 13th birthday and the words he said to her. Hola, mommy, today is your birthday. He said with a strong Spanish accent, look at you, you have grown to become so beautiful. No one had ever called Tina beautiful, so Carlos' words had really flattered her. Afterwards, she stood in the mirror and stared at herself. Am I really beautiful, she thought. A reflection showed a young woman with a round face, curly jet black hair, almond brown eyes, caramel skin, and full lips. And if Tina's face fell short of being beautiful, which it didn't, her body made up for it. At 13, Tina had the body of a grown-ass woman with round, firm breasts, a narrow waist, a plump ass, thick thighs, and hips that moved intuitively. Tina started putting on makeup and would go out of her way to be noticed by Carlos, 
so he could flatter her with more sweet comments. And that's exactly what he did. And Tina loved the attention he gave her, not knowing that it will all soon change. Two weeks after her 13th birthday, Tina got out of the shower and walked into her bedroom to find Carlos lying in her bed naked. She stood there not knowing what to do, watching Carlos's limp dick as he began to rise. The sight of him lying there naked aroused something in Tina and the area between her legs began to tingle and moisten. She untied the towel she had wrapped around her and let it fall to the floor, exposing her nude, firm body. See, mommy, Carlos said as he sat up, come to me. All Tina knew is that she wanted to please Carlos. She didn't want the attention he'd given her to ever stop. Come on, mommy, put your mouth on it. He said, grabbing the back of Tina's head and forcing himself into her mouth. Aye, mommy, he exclaimed as Tina's teeth scraped the head of his dick. Did you never do this before, he asked afterwards. Tina shook her head. Ah, Jew, a virgin, see? Tina shook her head, yes. Carlos smiled. Come on, lie down, mommy. Tina laid down and the events that took place would be remembered for the rest of her life. Her first time with the man, the day she lost her virginity, the one thing every woman remembers. Tina had heard stories from other girls at school, how pleasurable their experience, how good it felt, how they would never forget. Out of all the things she heard, it was the one thing she would be able to agree with. And it wasn't the pleasure she would never forget. She would never forget the deranged look in Carlos's eyes as he spread her legs. She would never forget how he spat on his fingers and shoved them inside of her. She would never forget the excruciating pain she felt as Carlos's dick penetrated her, ripping her tender virgin flesh. She would never forget the feeling of Carlos's thick shaft stretching her insides. She would never forget how Carlos cocked her legs back and fucked her viciously. She would never forget how she beat on Carlos's chest, screaming in pain. Carlos, please stop. You're hurting me. Cayate, puta, he yelled back as he pounded her inside. She would never forget how she laid there looking up at the ceiling with tears in her eyes, praying that he would hurry. She would never forget how Carlos pulled out and ejaculated on her. She would never forget the feeling of his warm semen gushing on her stomach and thighs. She would never forget how Carlos got up and used a towel to wipe off his bloody dick before throwing it in her face and telling her to wipe off. She would never forget how she laid there crying on her bloody sheets. She would never forget how nasty she felt as she wiped Carlos's sticky semen off of her or how he tore her tender flesh or how bad it burned when she urinated. It all lasted no longer than five minutes, but it seemed like five hours. Tina would never forget any of these things, never. These events took place for the next three months while Rita was at work. Then things changed. Carlos started coming to her room while her mother was there, sometimes even while Rita was awake in the next room. Knowing what Carlos was doing to her daughter, he would sell Rita and Tina dreams about moving them to Puerto Rico so, Tina, so Rita would let him have his way with her daughter. It had gotten to the point where Tina would sleep naked and keep a towel by the bed to wipe off Carlos's semen, and at times she needed a towel to spit the semen into. When he would come to her room and she would just roll over and spread her legs, wishing he would hurry and do what he came to do. When all of her classmates left school, they went home to loving families. Tina, on the other hand, went home to suck Carlos's dick and get fucked. But like all the rest, Carlos left Rita high and dry. Tina was no stranger to sexual activities by her ninth grade year. At the age of 14, Tina's body was more developed than all the 12th grade girls, therefore attracting all the 12th grade boys. Because of Rita, Tina had never really thought that a woman was supposed to give herself to a man. 
She never understood the fundamentals of love, nor the fundamentals of making love. From the tender age of 13, all she knew how to do was get fucked. And that's exactly what she did throughout her high school years, earning a slut reputation. Tina had numerous boyfriends, all of them the same. All of them said they loved her. All of them made promises. All of them fucked her. All of them left their, left their promises unfulfilled. Yet Tina would open her legs to let the next one in. When it all boiled down to it, it was just a fuck. Tina really didn't see what women got out of it. She just felt like it was something she was obligated to do. The rumors had gotten so bad by her senior year that she dropped out of school. That's when Eric, Rita's new boyfriend, moved in. And like with Carlos, Rita gave her daughter to him as a sacrificial lamb. Eric was a wannabe pimp, heroin junkie from Tennessee. Therefore, he was a smooth talker. He told Tina everything she wanted to hear, how beautiful and sexy she, she was, how he can make her rich with a body like hers. He had told her all about pimping and hoeing and took her shopping. He bought her a cell phone, dresses, and lingerie, not knowing it was all for his benefit. Every night she was in a different drug dealer's bed while Eric sat in the living room getting high. After she finished, he would give her $20, sometimes 30, not knowing he was getting between 150 and 120 to 150, sometimes $200 for every trick she turned. At 17, the money she was making be good, was good. Besides, she also had a job at McDonald's. Oh, how are we doing? Oh, we're almost done. She had no idea how big of a fool she was. Nevertheless, Tina liked Eric more than Carlos because he didn't have to worry about him. She didn't have to worry about him coming to her room at night to suck his dick the way Carlos did. Eric was too busy sticking needles in his arms. Therefore, he had no time to stick his dick in her, which was fine with Tina because she was really starting to despise dick as well as men. She was starting to believe they were all the same. Her opinion soon changed, just like that, her, just like her life had. The night she met one particular man in the summer of 2001 while at work. All right, it's 10.58. <laughs> so this book is by Stephen uh, L. Brown, Stephen Leon Brown. And he wrote this book while he was in prison. And that was one of the things that just got me with him is like, he literally was there and he made use of the time. And it's just an amazing story. So leading up now after this, she's going to talk about when she met Trayvon and how their relationship kicked off. And it's really good. So maybe I'll read from this a little bit more in the next um, few weeks, but you can always buy it off of the website at Shape Publishing, or you can go to JoycelynWells.com and go to my publishing site. You could order it from there, Amazon as well. So next week, remember, we have author Margot Williams coming in. And I'm going to stress reading to you guys because this is a big deal to be able to read and to take part in some of these um, books and just new information. So that's very important to me. So we'll have author Margot Williams here next week. We're going to interview her and then she's going to read from her, her book um, for a bit. And um, after that, I'll be headed to Naples, Italy. And I'll try to go live and maybe come in on a couple of David shows so to see what we can see. Maybe I can get some recordings or some pictures to show uh, while we're there. I know I'm going to hike Mount Vesuvius. That's one of my things on my list. So it's going to be no really scooters. great. So no scooters. Hmm? No, no scooters. No, no. <laughs> I did. They say biking, scooters, all of that's horrible there because the traffic's bad. So no, I mean, no there's scooters. Mouth so. I don't want you falling off a mountain. That's all. I might fall down the mountain. 
but no. I'm definitely going up. Absolutely. That's one of my favorite things. Do you know how much I climbed Kennesaw Mountain when I was living there? It's going to be more of a mountain than that, but I'm, that's my thing. I'm outdoorsy. I'm good. If I die there, look, you'll be able to say she died on Mount Vesuvius. That's a great wrap up to this, right? <laughs> <laughs> so this is Joycelyn Wells and my producer, David Clark on Joy Exposed at BFAM 109.6. I enjoyed you guys tonight and I hope you enjoyed me and I will see you next week. Mwah. And remember, when joy is exposed, everything just feels better. Bye. Love you, baby. Bye. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Bye, Periscope. Uh-oh, that's not what I meant to do. Oh, there we go.